Welcome to the About Life with Joe podcast. I'm Joe, and your life is about to get better. Please subscribe and enjoy. Today, Sarah and I talk about loving the job that you have, even if it's not your dream job, transcendental meditation, energy and vibration, and everything in between. Enjoy. Christina's ring light. Ring light. Did I, um, well, no, it's also because you're beautiful, but did oh, I yeah. ever, did, does anybody ever tell you you look like a young Gwyneth Paltrow? No one has ever told me that. That's so nice. Thank you so well, much. I'm telling you now. And That's very nice. Thank you. So generous. And it doesn't matter how many people tell you. It's only if the right people tell you. <laughs> That's, I always am getting like uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Who was that? Who was that actress? Who's- or am I thinking, I'm thinking of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I get those two. Either one of those girls. I don't know how things move, okay, Sarah, on the set when nobody moves the set. Maybe Douglas did it. He's the culprit. He's right at my feet. So oh, so nice to have a little buddy. My little, he's my companion. I was, I was visualizing today, me being on the Today Show, talking about all of this and... Him just being, and they're and and them asking me, "Did you bring Douglas?" And me saying, "I well, I don't leave home without him. I sent him to like a military special ops training guy. <laughs> He's a poodle. He's a nine pound poodle. Have you seen him? I don't think I've seen him. You <laughs> trained him in the military, military poodle. Okay, I have a four, look at him. He is okay? so. He looks like a teddy bear. Cute. He's so cute, right? Oh my gosh. Normally, yes. my kids are like, Mom, you should be like, thank you. You shouldn't be like, yeah, right? Yeah, but he's so cute. <laughs> no, but you're right. I mean, you're completely right. He's oh so my cute. God, he's so cute. And I sent him to like a special ops former military guy that used to train dogs for like the police and everything like that. So I could travel all over the place with him once we can travel again freely. So, so nice. We sent my dog to similar, like, you know, Caesar Milan? No, who's that? He's the dog whisperer. He has a TV show. (laughs) My parents used to make, like, me and my siblings watch it when we first got our dog. (laughs) And it was similar, like, military-type dog training. And we'd all just, like, watch and be like... (laughs) And that was what we did. How many siblings do you have? I have two older brothers. You're the baby. I am, yes. And you're the girl. I am, Obviously, yeah. that's so stupid yeah. that I just said that. Yeah. And you're the apple of your father's eye. Maybe. <laughs> I think I think he does a good job of uh, keeping it equal, which is good. So but maybe nice. I'm like too much trouble. No, I think um, you're going to be, uh, everybody I know who has just older brothers and they're the only girl in the family, they're like the coolest girls because they're <laughs> used to dealing. Their brothers are not as emotional or as dramatic so they're really good girlfriends because they don't tend to overreact and you know i don't know i can just think of my friends that are really close to their brothers and they just kind of let things kind of go totally it's very like you get a lot of humility i think where it's like even if you're thinking you did something cool like you didn't <laughs> and they'll tell you that you did it. <laughs> yeah, so they'll do it. and then they'll like push you, right? Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. are always yeah. saying that like they keep me grounded. Which is I true. Think that's, you know, that's what it is. That must be what it is because my friends that have their brothers and grew up with brothers and now that are are so much more 
less dramatic than I was raised just with my sister until um, my mom remarried. And then I have another sister who's even younger. And then my poor brother, my poor stepbrother is just like, I mean, he's taken on all of our drama. I mean, we're, it's the three of us and him. So it's like the little, the flip and the reverse of, of what you're talking about. So what's it's kind of funny because you can always tell when I, oh, goodness, sorry. There we go. But you can always tell when a guy has sisters, I think. Yeah. Because they're always like a little bit more sensitive and like understanding of like problems that are happening where I think guys without sisters will be like, I don't get this and then move on. Yeah. That so makes sense. You know, your your family pod or your dynamic in which you grow up with in is so detrimental in the the life you create and the family that you create yourself eventually one day because I see a lot of times um, I have two daughters as you know and they I can see the the roles that they each play and I'm like oh I can recognize that the younger sister role that's so similar to how my younger sister would react and then of course I'm always like trying not to be biased to the firstborn because I am the firstborn so I completely understand um, so I've had to learn how to be a parent to the younger sibling. And that's so interesting. Yeah. I, Cause I don't know how, I mean, I know what the first one's going through cause I am the first one, Yeah, but I, I've never thought about parenting like that where you have like sibling dynamics. Oh yeah. Because you're looking at it and I'm like, oh, she's responding exactly how my little sister would respond. <laughs> I'm like, oh this is not my first rodeo, okay? Like, I know. And it, it's, it's like almost like training, which is a nice segue into what, one of the things that we're gonna talk to about, talk about today, if I can talk. Um, <laughs> we're gonna talk about doing a job that you yeah. might not necessarily have as your dream job, right? But that's your the job you're in right now. Mm-hmm and what that's all about. Tell me a little bit, give me a little background on what your thoughts are there and what you yeah. you wanna know, I guess. Well, my whole thing is, so I'm an assistant um, and I'm in the film industry and I really wanna go on to become a screenwriter, which is obviously like a later point in your career, you would do that. So you kind of start out this way. I tend to be more on the creative side. So it was kind of hard for me to adjust into being an assistant and organizing and doing administrative tasks and being more analytical. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think it's true for pretty much every career path you choose, like the entry level jobs are a little bit more monotonous or monotonous, monotonous, monotonous. I can't say that boring. Um, <laughs> thank you. And I just feel like sometimes it's hard for me to find motivation to do something that's a little bit more administrative and a little uh, kind of just like tasks that aren't very creative, that don't take a lot of your opinion or like stuff like that. Um, so I'm trying to figure out ways that I can find fulfillment when I'm doing more of these kind of not uh, personal tasks. Okay, that's a really great, First of all, the fact that you have awareness and perspective and you want to find fulfillment in doing these mundane things. The, the, the issue is here, Sarah, is you don't see the value in these tasks. 
you haven't connected the value in the task. You're going through the task. It's like, think about it when you were a teenager and your mom, um, I'm assuming just like me would say, clean your room, clean your room, just clean your room. And we say it maybe in like a more escalated voice at some point. (laughs) And I have one daughter who really doesn't see the value in the task. She just doesn't see it. And my whole understanding there is I understand you don't like to do it. And I understand that you don't see the value in it. But what you don't see right now is that it's not about the task. It's about doing something that you necessarily don't want to do, learning how to do it, because one day you will have to hopefully manage somebody doing that same task. And unless you know how to do it really, really well, you won't know if they're making a mistake. So, yeah. That makes sense. Okay. So, right. When you're thinking about some administrative task that you're doing, of course to you, it's not, you're creative. Of course it sucks. Of course you don't want to do it. Like, I have a perfect example of this. One of my daughters started a nonprofit that she actually turned for profit with a nonprofit donation business over the summer, last summer. She's an artist and she was painting um, sneakers, uh, Stan Smith's and Air Force Ones to raise money for a homeless shelter. She would take all of the profits and raise money for the homeless shelter. And I very, very, it was really hard for me, but I did not get involved because I have run a business from top to bottom. So I know how important it is to do every part of the business. And of course she loved the creating and the art and the, you know, raising the money. And there were so many aspects of the business that she absolutely loved, but there were so many aspects of the business that she didn't even know existed before she did this. There's customer service. There's the mundane task of sourcing and shipping and pricing and collecting and balancing and taking your profit out of your cost. All of those things are part of a business. And what you're doing now, and instead of looking at what you're doing as a job, think about it as like a master's. Think about it as a specialty where you're going in and you're taking every single course that you need to take to get to where you need to go, right? So you take courses in college that you're like, why am I taking this? This is so ridiculous. And then one day you're like, oh, that's why I took that stats class. Oh, I know how to write an email and I took English 101. So this is what you're doing, but because you're getting paid to do it, it shifts what you're doing in your mind and you think that you have control over it or you shouldn't be doing something because that's not really ultimately what your goal is, right? Think about it getting paid to go to school, right? Life life school. So instead of you paying, because you've paid to go to school pretty much your whole life, right? Like your parents were either paying tuition or taxes and then you were paying tuition and they were paying tuition, so. right. Can you tell where my kind of mindset is right now? Yeah. It's all about the tuition. <laughs> yes. And right now, flip it and reverse it and think about 
that they're paying you to learn because every single thing that you're doing, you are going to need to know because one day you're either going to have to do it and somebody's going to call in, right? Because that mm -hmm. happens. Or you're going to hire somebody and you're going to know that they're not doing it right. Or you're going to be able to catch a big mistake. And you have no idea the value that you're getting right now because you're stuck in the actual tangible physical task. Forget about that. Do approach everything as if you're there to learn it and master it. I will tell you, every time I've had somebody report to me or work for me in a business, I have said to them, the most valuable you can be to me is if you know how to do multiple things. And if you know how to do everything, then ultimately you become the boss. Okay. Oh. Okay. That's the yeah. thing they don't tell you. Of course, because your, your whole entire age group is so used to receiving the answers to everything they want right away because you've grown up Googling, mm -hmm. right? You don't know something, what do you do? Look it up. Look it up. That's not how we grew up. We grew up having to work through a process to find the answer. We would actually go to a physical library and go to a card catalog and then source a code and then go find a book. And then in that book, you had to flip it open and then you had to maybe, you know, highlight. it was a process. So once we finally got the answer, you know, you guys were kind of, and I, I Google all the time myself. It's not like I'm going to the library and using a card catalog, but right. the point is that whole process is gone. So of course you feel the way you feel when you land a job. Let me tell you about one of my first experiences with my very first corporate job. I've worked since I was 13 years old and I worked, I started working um, as a, an assistant to the secretary or the administrative assistant back in the day, but they called her the secretary at the time. I mean, you're talking about the eighties Yeah. at our <laughs> church office. And she was a, and you think church office and you think, okay, like big deal. It's a church office. No, 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 no. This was a very large parish, and this woman was one of the biggest mentors and influences in my life. She was a boss. So her small four foot eleven stature didn't matter. Her working at a church didn't matter. She was running like Amazon in her mind. Okay, Amazon didn't exist, but that's what she was running. And I, you know, had to learn to do the most mundane tasks, and she would have me do it over and over and over. And I was like, well, this is so pointless. But it wasn't pointless. I didn't realize until later, it, the whole reason I'm, I'm a public speaker is because she made me step out of my comfort zone and give um, a, a talk, a speech in front of hundreds of people. I almost, I was like vomiting in my mouth. I couldn't even handle it. But she made me practice over and over and I would get stuck and she'd say do it again do it again and she was a tough boss and that doesn't really exist anymore because you can't do that because you'll get arrested right? <laughs> your boss can't really do that anymore right it's okay right but my point is the tasks even though they were so mundane and I understand how you feel really led me to the point where when I got my first corporate job when I was in my early 20s I had the privilege of working for a really nice 
uh, man. And he had a really great team and he was the dad of three girls and a husband. So he really, he was nice to me, which was really nice. But he would have me do these things that I didn't understand at the time, like uh, go get him a certain breakfast or a, a bagel. And we lived in, we, we lived, we worked in the, at the World Trade Center um, in Boston. So there was like, a, you know, just a regular cafeteria there and I would go. And if I made a mistake, he would make, he would make me go back and redo it and, and pay for it, which you can't do any of this stuff now. And I was like, I can't believe the nerve. I can't believe, but what he was teaching me was to pay attention to detail. Mm -hmm. So then when I started to interface with clients and I started to close deals and have to have all my paperwork in a row, I knew that if I couldn't make a mistake with a bagel, I wasn't making a mistake with a contract. Right. Yeah. That makes sense to you? It makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. So how do you, how do you kind of remind yourself that every day, I guess? Do you, you just have yourself that up. in the front? Oh, okay. You just, okay. I watched the, the most amazing thing that Maria Menounos said. Do you, you know who Maria Menounos is? Uh, she's like a, She's, she's Greek, so I absolutely love her, but that's not really why I love her. She's a, <laughs> a, a journalist and she has her own show. It's called Better Together with Maria. And it really just, she's doing her passion work right now, but she was on E! for a long time and, um, or maybe another, but anyway, she's a, like a celebrity journalist. And she talked about her first job at Dunkin' Donuts. Okay. And she would be working at Dunkin' Donuts always wanting to be, you know, on Wheel of Fortune. So when people would ask for the donuts, she would think she was flipping <laughs> letters. So you show up in the job you have oh. for the job that you want. I love that, that's amazing. Okay, so they're not donuts, they're letters. Mm -hmm. So when you have to file something or you send a million emails or anything that you find mundane, you have to deep reach deep inside of you. And if your dream is big enough and your passion is aligned with your dream and that's your real purpose, you will do whatever it takes. Okay. And by whatever it takes, it, meaning getting excited about what you have to do when it's not exciting is going to make you better at what you do. It's going to make the time go faster. You're going to be an overall happier person. And I guarantee you, you're not going to stay as an assistant for very long. I love that. Okay. That's really cool. I love that. Okay. That, and that's great. Yeah. You're in charge, Sarah. You're in charge. Okay. You're your own boss. Mm -hmm. You determine your mindset. Once you have your mindset and you are so lucky because at your young age, you have an idea, a very clear path of what you want to do. Try very hard to enjoy the journey. Okay. Okay. So think about it like you're climbing to get to where you want to go. Mm -hmm. And it's a climb. You know, if it happened easily, you wouldn't even appreciate it or notice it. That's very true. You just wouldn't. You would take it for granted and because that's human nature, not because that's who you are, mm -hmm. but you 
you wouldn't have that complete fulfillment that you're going to have when you get there, you'll know. And it's not like you get there and you stop. You get there and you continue to grow. That's the beauty of it. The day you think you know everything or you stop learning or you've, because you've achieved some sort of career status, what's the point, right? But you're going to look back at all of those moments and the hard ones, the fun ones, the stressful ones, and you're going to remember, you're going to look back and say, I am so proud of myself that everything I did to get to where I am, my my wins, my losses, my successes, my tears, that's all of you. And that's when you get to somewhere and you're a full person, that's just, you're completely in tune with yourself. You're going to enjoy your career so much more. Okay, think about it like an exercise. Do you, what do you do for workouts? Like, what do you do for, what, what is like your routine? Well, I'm a runner and then I play tennis and tennis. I see the rest. And I do um, like a Zoom workout class with my mom, which is really fun. I love that. I love yeah. that. Oh, I love it's being with your mom. Yeah, I'm we have fun. about the tennis racket. Okay, so when you started playing tennis, you were a young girl? Yes. Okay. So did you know how to play tennis right away? No. You did a lot of drills, right? Mm-hmm. You did a lot of workouts, right? Yes. Did you love them all? No. <laughs> well, you answered yeah. your own question. But because you wanted it, you did it. Mm -hmm. So you already have the desire and the vision. Those are things that people, Sarah, are looking for. They Some people spend so much of their life looking for that. Just the fact that you have that, you should wake up every day and be like, giddy, right? Oh my goodness. You're good at this, Joanna. I feel great <laughs> about my life right now. <laughs> that, That's I'm like, what I'm here so for. Good. I want to leave you yeah. better than I found you. You really already, you already did it. <laughs> better than I found you, right? I'm like pretty excited to go to work, I think. That's yeah, great. Not, not you think you are because... Those are your workouts. And mm -hmm. just, you know, you got to frame, reframe the story, Sarah. You got to say to yourself, this is how I make myself psyched. Do you think that I absolutely love doing, you think mundane tasks? There are so many tasks that come with running a household, mm -hmm. with running a life, or being responsible for other human beings, or starting a business. When I started Mobile Manny, my on-demand on nail service that I wrote, that I had the software for, I went back to nail school in not the greatest part of, the, uh, part of town, okay? I was there with, I mean, people that were just right out of high school or very, uh, very early, and I was in my mid-40s. And... Of course, I didn't want to sit there all day and be in nail school. I've been doing my nails since I was, you know, five. I, you know, right. But I had to, I wanted to learn everything about the experience that the, the technicians would have. So I would know if they were doing their job well, exactly what I was telling you, right, before. Right, yeah. 
So when I would drive and I would sit in this tremendous traffic getting there, I wasn't able to go to SoulCycle class before or meet my, meet up with my friends or go for a walk in the park or do any of the fun things. I gave all of that up to go to this nail school, which was my choice. And I had learned from being an entrepreneur and other businesses that you just need to know how to do everything. All right. If you want to be, you don't have to always do it, but you have to know how. Right. And I remember thinking when I walked into that, I had a lot of resistance in the beginning, like, oh my God, this is going to suck. This is going to be, you know, sitting here for seven hours. I don't know anybody. And what am I going to eat for lunch? I mean, this is, this is all like the, okay. And then I got there and I'm like, I am going to have so much fun with this because I'm stuck here anyway. And I just changed the narrative. And I started to have fun. I mean, we would laugh. I would ask like these young kids where they're having lunch. And I'm like, well, can I come with you? And they're like, (laughs) and I'm like, sure. And I just was, I embraced where I was. Right. And that goes back to what we talk about all the time in our talks is acceptance. And then I started to really like it. And then when it was over, I was sad to leave it behind. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. That's like, I want to have fun wherever I go. So that makes a lot of sense. So have fun where you are. Have fun, yeah. (laughs) Have fun because you're gonna. There's gonna be parts of when you are a very successful executive producer and writer and your shows are on Netflix and HBO and (laughs) all of that great stuff, right? You're going to message me and you're going to say, Joe, remember we talked about when I was an assistant? Well, right now, one of the assistants is having a nervous breakdown because they're so stressed out. And I know exactly what to say to her or him because I know what they feel because I felt that same way. Totally. That'll be so satisfying yes that'll be great how do you think i know what to tell you it's because i never threw it myself you're great at your job (laughs) (laughs) let me tell you enjoy the journey because when you get to where you want to go that lasts for 30 seconds nobody tells you this right it's like anything you achieve it's like okay now i'm here now what Mm -hmm. and there's so much more pleasure when you enjoy the journey. Hold on, I have to move my camera. This one, the beauty of TV. Um, okay, so is this valuable? This is so valuable. I really already feel like a lot better about, I just, I'm almost kind of like, of course, of course I should have been having fun with this and you know. Don't think back, just think. You're right, you're right. Don't think back. And and that's that's the other thing is like, don't be like shoulda, coulda, woulda. Start where you are. That is the number one entrepreneurial tip I give everybody. When people wait for it to be perfect, they're never, they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting. Just start where you are, no matter mm-hmm. what in life. You wanna change something out about yourself? You wanna create a new habit? Just start where you are. It doesn't have to be perfect. You evolve as you go. Right. We're editing these sessions right now. Like I get off and then I give them to Chris and we're going to go live tomorrow and, you know, we'll post live tomorrow. And and I know that it's not going to be perfect, but it's going to be from my heart. Mm-hmm. And 
will just get better, right? So start where you are. I, I think that's a great place to ask you about transcendental meditation because I want to start that. Okay, so <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you, you know how I started, right? Should we tell everybody? I don't think I know how you started. You don't know how I started? I'm not sure I do. Okay, okay. So this is this is a interesting story because it's not your typical why you learn meditation story. Okay. So, as you can probably tell, I you know keep I'm a go 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 type of person. Couldn't really quiet my mind. I would think about meditation. I would see these online meditation things, and I would all I would do is think about other things when I was in those meditations. Are you right. Kidding? Yeah, I get that completely. I would be in soul cycle and I remember being like, oh, I remember saying things like, I'm so in the present moment, I'm meditating through class. It's all like, so what is that even? <laughs> what was I saying? What does that even mean? So my friend, Sarah, who happened to be my soul cycle instructor as well, um, we became friends. I met her as my instructor. I write about her in my book. She's just so awesome. I used to, when she was in her 20s, give her a lot of this kind of talk to now. And now we're, she's in her early thirties and she's got a lot figured out and I go to her for things. It's so beautiful. Um, but she practiced a form, a, a similar kind of meditation to, to TM, to transcendental meditation. And when I would say that to her, she would just be like, oh, you can't really, yeah, she wouldn't say anything, but it was only something that somebody who knows what they're and actually practicing this meditation would know. And I was always intrigued that she always had like a sense of calm about her, even though she was the best DJ that I know, uh, an incredible energy, so fun, so vibrant. And so I heard about that once. Mm -hmm. um, I also had you know, listen, and I read a lot of Deepak Chopra. I was reading a lot. I was, I listened to Oprah all the time on her podcast and they all were talking about this kind of meditation. And I just was like, all right, I can never do this. This is, this is not for me. So I decided the classic entrepreneurial brain that I was going to do something different. And I looked up like a former Buddhist monk. Yeah, because that happens. Right? <laughs> That's amazing. And found, yeah. And I found uh, that he handles, he helps people with pain management and all that kind of stuff. So I arranged to go meet him and try to learn this kind of mindful meditation. And again, any form of meditation that works for anybody is fantastic. So I'm not like, endorsing one or the other. I can only talk to you about my own journey and my own experience and why transcendental meditation was finally the kicker for me and the thing that finally worked. So I, I, you know, meet this very wonderful human being, this former Buddhist monk that really, I mean, I spent hours studying with him and trying to get into this space. And I don't know, it just was not clicking. It was not clicking. So I'm like, oh, so frustrated. I'm like, maybe I'm that one human being in the world that can't <laughs> meditate, right? Like I'm, maybe I'm missing a chip. Maybe, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on, but I just can't do it. So a few years passed. I'm still listening to, you know, Oprah, you know, talk about her little, not her little, but her meditation. I 
would listen to I, every, everything Deepak was writing. It was like every other word was transcendence. And I'm like, I can't even understand the word. Forget doing the practice. <laughs> and um, my friend Sarah also was, you know, practicing. And I was in the parking lot of my daughter's school, picking them up after squash practice. And it was a really cold December morning, uh, afternoon. And I was listening to one of my business idols had just released a book and it was called, it's called Principles by Ray Dalio. He's a, a big hedge funder, the biggest in the world, ran the biggest hedge fund in the world and started from, you know, nothing, just himself. Uh, so I, I was listening to this very valuable business book. Here I am thinking because I'm launching a few days later, Mobile Manning. So I am like firing on all cylinders. I'm, you know, I've, the meditation has gone out the window. There's no way I'm thinking. And I'm just going to focus on the business, right? I'm going to focus, focus, focus. And there's a chapter there as I'm waiting in the squash pickup line. And he says that all through his business, he had all the success and all the stuff. And he had received some very troubling medical news. And they were basically telling him, and I'm paraphrasing now, and I listened to this years ago, that he should go home and get his life in order because, you know, you're like on your way out. And I'm like, I, I, and I know obviously that didn't happen because I'm listening to him read the audiobook, right? And right. I'm like, well, this is, wow, this is so jarring. And he went home and he started to do what they, what they said to him. And then he went back and he said, I want you to run those tests again because I'm a transcendental meditator and I've been doing that for 40 years. And I just, this just doesn't add up. Did I need to hear anything else? No. Talk about, <laughs> I was on the Google right away and I'm like, find a transcendental meditating teacher right now. <laughs> right now, and it was right before my 45th birthday and Sarah, I was determined. All of that I thought of this man who ran the biggest hedge fund, started it, ran it in the world, had time to do this transcendental meditation. And he had this endorsement when he had this horrible health news. What else did I need to hear? So it was like, boom, that was it. So I Google, I find a teacher and, uh, you know, it's a tm.org, like it's a, organization that was um maharashi um started years ago so it's you know superficial and all of that i didn't even care and i took i was like i'm doing this i have ray dalio does this and then it was like oh oprah and deepak and all these people are also doing it but for me it was like that business sense and i was in so much stress trying to launch my new startup and get my app live and get everything going and I'm like, oh, I, I need to gift this to myself. So I remember saying to my husband at the time, I don't want a gift for my birthday. I don't want any more jewelry. I don't want any more handbags. I just want to sign up to do this meditation because it is pricey to learn. Um, and it was the best gift that I've ever given myself. Okay. I went to Cambridge, Massachusetts, you know, where that that's where Harvard University is. I was living in downtown Boston. If you tell any Bostonian that they need to go to Cambridge, that's like going to California. I don't know what to tell. We just don't do it. Mm -hmm. That you, that I had to go four days in a row 
in the middle of the day or whenever I could find the time to, to go see my teacher because you learn your first session, you get assigned your mantra. It's a mantra-based meditation. They walk you through it. You have an intake meeting. You have, like, it's like a little, I can't say it's like fight club because that's kind of productive. You can't really talk about <laughs> it until you do it. So it's a very one-on-one -on -one thing. And your mantra is something you never reveal to anybody else. It's between you. It's always for you. And then you have these series of follow-ups that they need to physically see you in person. Mm -hmm you know, three days in a row. And here I am launching this startup. Right. I didn't care. It was seamless and easy. I did it. I have never looked back. It changed my entire life. My entire life changed. All of my bad habits um, that are my little vices fell away. Like I would love to if I had a couple of glasses of rosé with like my girlfriends or whatever, I would love to smoke a cigarette. Okay, it's like the Greek in me, the '80s kid. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I couldn't even do it. It just kind of it fell away. It fell away. I never like never ever thought about it. I would um, need a glass of wine to relax, or I thought I would need a glass of wine to relax. No, never again. I'm quite. I'm 48 and a half, so this is. Three and a half years. Um, everything started to get clearer to me. You practice 20 minutes twice a day. I'm obviously just as busy as everybody else, right? I'm not any more busy or any less busy, yet you always find the time. Hmm. The biggest endorsement that I can give you is this. Once I started to practice about 30 days later, and meanwhile, I'm launching a business, I'm on high my daughters, who were, oh, what were they at the time, like 15 and 13 maybe, or 14 and 16, but you get the point, were like, mom, what happened to you? Why are you so much calmer? Only a month in. Only a month in, but I packed wow. only a month in. and. I was afraid, I was never afraid I would lose my edge or my drive or my productivity. It made me more productive because I knew Ray Dalio did it. And really, who's more productive in business? You're one of the most productive human beings on the planet. So, right. you know, and there's a lot of celebrities that are very successful. Everybody in the top of their game has a mindful meditation practice like this. And a lot of them are based on these, either they're practicing TM or they are uh it's a different version of it but i cannot say enough about it and do you have any questions on it before i tell you this fun story about a retreat i went to um well i mean i was just saying like my heroes in film that i listen to their podcast they are always talking about it too so i feel like very wow. close to your story like david lynch he does yeah. twin peaks i mean he could not talk about it more and so just from that, and I'm like, my whole goal is to be as creative and let my creativity go as possible. And he's like the most creative person unapologetically. And so I really like, similar to your story was like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> but I haven't yet because I just don't know how to start. So this is so great. Yeah, I'm going to send you the link and uh, I'll you just go to tm.org. I can, my teacher's in Cambridge, Massachusetts. I love her. 
Um, I think now because they're doing remote, you can actually learn from her because before that would be amazing. She is so incredible. She has a business background and yet she, she and her husband run the center there. They're so amazing. But I've also gone to a TM retreat. So when I was healing from my breast cancer and recovering from my surgery, I asked one of my surgeons when I would be cleared to fly because I love to travel. And this was right before, uh, this was January before COVID, right? Yeah. And he said, you know what, you're going to don't lift any suitcases or anything, but you can travel. And as one of my benchmarks or things that I wanted to um, look forward to after everything, all the trauma my body and my mind went uh, through in healing and recovery, I had reached out to a Transcendental Meditation Center in Florida and they were hosting a retreat. And I thought, okay, well, that's nice. I'll go get some vitamin D. Um, I will meet, I will go somewhere completely by myself that I don't know anyone. And I won't have to talk about my having had cancer because nobody will know me. That was in my mind. And so I reached out to this person who was running it and she I signed up to go on this retreat. And meanwhile, I'm I'm still in like full-blown recovery. Like I've got drains. I'm like, and I'm like making these plans and I'm buying JetBlue tickets. <laughs> Talk about like visualizing and making it happen. Yeah, dreaming. I am going to that retreat. <laughs> and I get there. You know, it's the first place I can go and I'm still very uncomfortable in my body and I'm still just very uncomfortable in general. And... It's January and I get there and it's not like, you know, it was, it was nice, but it wasn't like what you would typically be used to on a vacation. I don't know what I was picturing in my mind, delusional, but I was picturing some sort of like posh resorty kind of thing. And I had paid for it. So I knew it wasn't going to be that, but I don't know why when I got there, I didn't, you know, I was like. All of the things that I love to do when I travel, which is fine dining, beautiful accommodations, be on a beach, none of those were happening for me. And I was like, I need to leave and go back home. I'm going to give up. I can't do it. I can't do this. I can't. I can't. It was so, it was so just, I don't know. I was in a dark place, Mm -hmm. but I looked down and I knew I couldn't get a flight until the next day anyway. And I decided to go to the welcome entry meeting and I sat down and it was a room full of a couple, I would say probably 150 people, all from every single walk of life, every single race, every single religion, every single everything, age group was represented in there. But the energy was so incredible. And there were people there that were in their 80s and they looked better than I do right now. And I'm like, what is this? The fountain of youth? (laughs) Like, what are you people doing? And then there were people that were younger. And then there were people that were my age and there were people just all over and they were all nice. And I'm like, huh, I'm so honored to be part of this group. And I, all of those things that I, had thought went right out the window and I couldn't get enough. And the conversations were rich and it was hours of meditating. 
okay? And rituals and and and, and like you would meditate and you would eat these really simple meals. There was no sugar, there was no alcohol. There was there was nothing fun. And yet it was one of the funnest weekends of my entire life. Wow. Tell me how that happens. That's amazing. It's funny because I do fantasize about going on like a retreat, but it's exactly what you say where it's like, it's going to be really like bougie and it's like jungle. Yeah. And it's like, that's not the point of going on a retreat. (laughs) So that's, I mean, that sounds amazing. Go on a bougie trip with your friends. Yeah. I mean, why make it that way? (laughs) You can do that too, but there is a funny story that happened though with one of the, these women, the women that I met and I met some nice men there too, but the women that I met were so nurturing and so incredible. And I had gone there with the intention of never having to tell anybody that I had cancer. Right. And they just kind of sensed it. And one, you know, took my hand and said, you know, I had cancer 30 years ago and I'm well, I had cancer 12 years ago and I'm well. And, and the, the, it was so beautiful. And I remember sitting at, at dinner, you would just, you know, you'd go to the buffet and then everybody would sit where it was very communal and very kind of, this is the kind of uh, meditation that the Beatles practiced. So mm-hmm. it was kind of, it's very like free and, you know, all of that. And I'm like a tuck your shirt into your Hermes belt type of girl. (laughs) (laughs) And, and it just didn't matter. They just, they just accepted me for me. And I remember uh, talking about it at one of these dinners saying, Oh, I'm, I'm almost done writing my book. And this very nice man who was at the table across from me said, you know, your book is going to be really important. So don't rush it take a pause. And I remember egoically thinking, he doesn't know what I'm, he doesn't know what I've been through. And I've written this book and this book is almost done. Well, wouldn't you know it? I go back to Boston. I go back, I open my computer and nothing is coming out. And I took this pause. And then we ended up going into quarantine in March. And I woke up one day and I wrote what I believe were the fundamental, most important principles of the book. I wrote a 28 page document that my publisher was able to meld into the chapters that tied it all together. And it wasn't on the timetable that I thought, but it was on a better timetable because that happened. And then my book ended up being published unbeknownst to me during Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Wow. That's amazing. Can you believe that the the synchronicities? No, I mean, that's, that reminds me so much of the secret and like the universe stepping in. That's amazing. Do you, are you mentioned this to me on our pre-call? Do you feel like uh, this helped you get on that frequency you were talking about where you can't be too high and you can't be too low? Yes. Could put you like that. Yeah. How long do you think it took you to like figure that out? You know, I don't remember, but I remember the feeling. I remember feeling better right away, like instantly. But I was also in a lot of pain. I was, 
in a in a, a marriage that was ending. I was in a lot of pain, and they, these this would give me these pockets of of complete of real peace, and and to how did I I can't remember. It wasn't like an aha moment, but it was just a gradual, very natural unfolding. And it's not like, Sarah, it's not like bad things stop happening. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's not like life all of a sudden is going to completely go the way (laughs) that you, you know, wave your very, right. (laughs) But you're able to respond in a way that keeps you in a better space in that vibration so you know when something happens to jar you out and you get like really pissed off Mm -hmm. right me with fedex today what what, honey me talking to fedex today on the phone right so what happened to your vibration there like so stressed out but but fedex doesn't care i'll tell you right now that they don't care right didn't care at all they don't care at all so fedex brought your you brought your vibration down if you were when you are a meditator not if when you are a meditator that stuff will still bother you it's not like all of a sudden you're going to be like yes fedex i'm so psyched that you screwed up <laughs> right it's not, like it's not like your personality changes right yeah <laughs> but you're you're able to picture it like being a goalie okay in hockey or you're just you're 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 covered okay mm. So when the pucks are coming at you, okay, it doesn't hurt your skin as much. Right. Okay. It's still going to come at you, but it's reflect or it'll be shorter. So maybe that call with FedEx, maybe you still would have like gotten a little pissed off, but then you would have recognized it right away. You would have had these reserves. So it's almost like you're filling your reserves so you're ready when these things happen. And there's no better example of how I saw my meditation in action than when I had to have, um, early on in my diagnosis with breast cancer, I had to have an MRI assisted biopsy. And that is like something I don't wish on, I don't wish any of this on anybody, but that that was like barbarically hard. Like nobody tells you like, it's like poked prod, it's dehumanizing. I get that they need to do it, but like if I were a scientist, I'd be focusing on a bougier way. Okay. And that's <laughs> okay. Yeah. And I couldn't move during this. It's very important that you remain completely still, but they can't give you a sedative to make you still. Mm. And there was an angel nurse, just like all the nurses that I believe are just they're just angels on earth and my doctors and she had her hand on my back to make sure so the radiologist could go into that specific spot and that I wouldn't move. Well, I remember thinking, if I think about what's going on, I'm just going to lose my shit, literally. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to meditate. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to, I went back, I met with my teacher about how I could add some additional times and, you know, because I had been meditating for a while. So they give you more kind of advanced techniques. And so although I was physically on that table and the doctors were doing everything they needed to do and that nurse, all I could feel was her vibration on my, on my back, her hand, her energy. 
I don't know, it felt like five minutes to me. It was an hour, okay? I got up. She, when I was able to move, she whispered in my ear. I still get the chills when I say this, Sarah. She whispered in my ear and she said, are you a meditator? And I had a tear stream down my eye. I write about this in my book. And I said, I am. She goes, I know. Because she was one too. Oh my God. That's amazing. Right? Right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I can't, you're, you're already there. You want to do it, right? I want to do it. I want to, and Christina does too. We, we said we'd do it together. Start okay. at the same time. Well, this is amazing because then you can support each other in your mm -hmm. afternoon when you're like, do you want to go out for a drink? Yeah, let's meditate first and then let's go out for a drink. That, I need that. I need that friendship. <laughs> you do. And, and you know what I was doing for a while with, um, during the pandemic and shutdown and I, and I, I help teens that are going through a hard time as well and that have lost mm -hmm. a parent and I would, I would send them because my number one thing is like, you need to learn how to meditate. You need to learn how to meditate. And I would send them like little reminders saying afternoon meditation, five o'clock, join me. And everybody does it on their own and you can mm -hmm. do it anywhere. I, I, uh, I love to travel, but I don't love to fly. Um, I, I do it right every time we're taking off. Hmm. Okay. And I used to have to take Valium to fly. I don't take, I don't take anything. No, you're good now. No, I'm good now. This is going to give you, I, like I said to you yesterday, it's that piece that you need and you're going to see the world through an even more beautiful lens. I mean, look at you, you are beautiful inside and out. You have so much light and energy and creativity and so many things to offer yourself and others. And this is just gonna be like, gets you right there. It's gonna be your secret weapon. Thank you so much. That, I mean, like I said earlier, like everything you've said tonight has made me so much more excited to like have tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> yeah, I could tackle it with so much more happiness and like you right. know you should feel relaxed you should feel yeah. inspired and empowered right yeah it, absolutely absolutely now you should I hope you do is what I should no say. I I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to send you I'm going to make the introduction to my teacher and ask her um to you know to advise you if she can't do it she will find her counterpart in new york if they are seeing people in person that's an amazing way to learn as well if you have that option um but i am so excited that we're gonna have another level to connect on yes i mean i'm really 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 excited now <laughs> i love that i love that i whole that whole thing i loved well thank you i will send it to you um I, this is so awesome. Did you have an awesome time too? Oh my God. I had the best time. I love talking to you. You're, I mean, I just feel like you're so good at showing me like different perspectives on how to see things. It's just so good to talk to someone that's older and like successful, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like they're not really giving us a lot of time out there. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's hard because a lot of them have kids that need them because people tend to have kids a little older now. If you're building your career and you're so successful, you have your kids or you have, there's only a certain amount of energy you have 
to be able to to help. So I hope that this is a, a call to action for other people that have that find themselves in the unique place that I'm in where my kids are almost ready to kind of launch and do their own thing for a little while at least. Um, but really, I want you guys to have, and when I say you guys, everybody in their 20s and my children who are soon to be in their 20s, to have a better experience so you can stay healthier and have a better journey in your 30s and your 40s and 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 beyond. And I want a great resource for my own daughters to... to um, well, they don't listen to me as much as you guys. They, they actually do listen. It's a, There's an ongoing, there's a little fun, uh, you know, with their friends. They'll sit on my couch in my office and they'll ask advice. And Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So that, they, they inspire I, me. I am not worried about your daughters doing great things at all. I feel like they're surrounded with such good energy and support. I, I'm happy for them. <laughs> You're so sweet. Well, as long as they're, I always say, you can always be, you know, there's plenty of successful people. There's plenty of people that are accomplished. Just be a nice person first. Mm -hmm. If you're nice, that is the foundation of everything. And if you have a solid foundation, which you do, and you were well-raised and you're such a light and you're so good inside and out. If you have that foundation, you can do anything, anything, and you will. I hope so. <laughs> I mean, this is just, I think I could speak for everyone when I say like all of our friends are always talking about our meetings with you. We have so much fun. And I've just like, it, it's so, I don't know. It's like a good refresh of my perspectives and everything when I'm going to work. It's great. It's really great, Joanna. Awesome. We'll do it again. We'll have different I topics. So we'll talk about your experience meditating. Oh yeah, of course. I would definitely keep you in touch on how I'm doing that. Awesome. And then if you need me, if you're in this lull or yeah. like Christina likes to call it, I said to her, you're not in a funk, you're in a transition. Yeah. Okay. When you're in a time of transition, please reach out. Okay. You don't need to, it, it, it can be one quick text of shifting your perspective that can raise your vibration again. Mm-hmm. And we're all here to help each other. I have so many women that reached down and pulled me up, literally, out of the woodwork. I mean, from that first boss that I was talking about. Yeah. To, you know, my 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 friends now that 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 literally, you know, wipe my tears when I'm crying. We all are here to help each other. And I would love nothing more than when you're when you need something, you can just let me know. It's easy. It's so nice. That is so generous and so kind. Like, thank you so, so much. You're so sweet. All right. Bye, sweetheart. I hope you guys are doing something fun tonight. Bye.